Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss privacy and security engineering related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by Ari Hoffman, Director of Customer Programs at Skyflow, and we'll be talking about a variety of different data privacy challenges and how the heck to get started with tackling them. Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sean. It's a pleasure being here. So I've been really, you know, looking forward to this episode. Uh, I mean, I, I look forward to all episodes, but <laughs> I always enjoy our conversations. And I think, uh, you know, you're someone who brings a lot of passion and energy to everything you do. It's, you know, very refreshing. But before we get too far, can you start by introducing yourself? Absolutely. So uh, I'm based in Austin, Texas, although I've spent most of my career uh, in New York working on fintech implementations and working as both a business analyst and as a technical program manager leading, for the most part, large, complex integrations. Five-year plus, multi-million dollar, hundreds of integration implementations. Uh, and most recently was at Cisco, where I was leading a group of technical pro- pro- program managers uh, on the platform implementation of Cisco's customer experience tool. And then what was your sort of educational background and how you got into this industry and ultimately ended up where you are today? Yeah, so uh, funny enough, I went to college thinking I'd be an international business major. I went to George Washington University where I studied international business as well as focused on Mandarin Chinese and uh, actually had a wonderful professor who taught me a little about information systems and how technology was the future, changed my major to information systems and got more of a training kind of to be a business analyst. And I'm one of the few people I know who actually use what I learned in school after once I graduated in the real world. So I went on to become a business analyst and uh, learn technology through that avenue. How's your Mandarin today? My Mandarin is dwindling, but I did spend six months living there. It used to be much better. It's conversational. I certainly uh, uh, don't practice as much as I'd like to, but it, it surprises people every once in a while when I whip it out. Maybe we'll do the next episode in Mandarin. Nice. All right. There we go. Uh, so how did, I guess, how did you end up in you know, the privacy space and, and why Skyflow out of all the you know, places that you could end ended up? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in following inspirational leaders. And while I was at Cisco, there was an inspirational leader who suggested I connect with Amruta Maktali, our chief product owner, and said, just have a conversation with her. See if you'd be open to an opportunity that she has coming up. Uh, Connected with her, started falling in love with Skyflow, as well as the people here. Every conversation, every interview uh, thereafter, I was impressed with the intellect, the passion, the sophistication, and the wealth of experience uh, that Skyflow at the time, a 50-person startup, was bringing to the table and uh, ended up joining as the first person uh, responsible for customers and looking at the customer perspective and helping drive uh, customer adoption. Awesome. And then, you know, we're going to be talking about different privacy challenges and sort of how to wrap your head around getting started and making progress with them. But I think it's going to be difficult to, to talk about that without talking about the challenges and solutions in terms of you know, what Skyflow does and the customers that Skyflow serves. So can you explain what Skyflow is for anybody that's listening that maybe not familiar with it? And then what does it do and how do people use it? Absolutely. So Skyflow is a data privacy vault that allows you to isolate your most sensitive data in the most secure manner while still having it be usable. It's accessible through APIs, it's easy to implement, and you're able to take advantage of the tool set that Skyflow offers, including our vaulting, our encryption, our redaction, as well as have it uh, pretty easy to set up via APIs. 
Throughout my career, I've had to work on implementations where we've dealt with sensitive data, and this always becomes our biggest hiccup. How do you test the system without real sensitive data? How do you ensure, for example, at a rating agency that the rating models are going to work unless you use real financial data? How do you ensure that your customer management system is actually going to work unless you use real customer data? So the data privacy question I'd come across multiple times in my career, and Skyflow is the most sophisticated way to solve it, the most minimal impact, and the way that solves it to future-proof it. Uh, I've been part of multiple implementations where we are having to unwind legacy tools and giving companies the ability to develop with a future-proof tool that is designed for technologies of the future is really a powerful uh, solution. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get into some of this sort of uh, concept of like future proofing that's going beyond just you know sort of patchwork solutions that may have been historically used in the space. But I, before we get there, what are some of the common like use cases and challenges companies are trying to solve when it comes to data privacy? Obviously, this is something that is top of mind for a lot of companies in regulated industries, and we're seeing more and more you know privacy regulations being implemented around the world from uh, a variety of different countries as well as states in the U.S. Absolutely. So kind of the most basic use case would be your PCI use case, uh, the need to secure uh, card information and card data for companies that are, are using credit cards and debit cards and the ability to sim seamlessly integrate it with Skyflow, store your sensitive data on Skyflow, uh, and then use Skyflow components like our proxy, which we call Skyflow Connections, to send it to securely to third parties allows PCI to be a really great use case for us. Uh, we actually, funny enough, have one PCI customer who uses us to capture their customer's information securely, stores it securely, and uses us as a proxy to send it to third parties securely uh, and doesn't actually know who their customers are. They have tokens for their customers. They have representations for it. They're able to run analytics on their customers. They're able to see which reference token for which customer has done what, but they don't know their customers' names. They don't know their card numbers. And all they know is that token ABC spent $500 at Sam's Pizza Shop. So it's really powerful yet simple use case. The other use case that we're seeing a lot is PII data. Uh, as you know, uh, the data wealth uh, of our of the technology world today is only growing and the ability to store that securely isolate it as well as uh, retain the usability of it is a very powerful use case and finally the use case which is growing every day is data residency we're seeing governments around the world start to focus on protecting their residents data and ensuring that their data is protected in the most uh, secure manner. And even here in the States, we're seeing state by state take a even a finer look at how they can protect their state's residents' data in a way that ensures that their citizens are protected, secure, and their privacy is ensured. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, uh, in my own experience, I've seen, even in the time that I've been at Skyflow in this past like nine months, uh, increasing amount of um, awareness and sort of motivation for companies to address like data residency, uh, especially you know companies that are operating in Europe or wishing to operate in Europe. I really like the use case that you talked about where the business doesn't even know who their customers are. That's really like a, a real like um, 
abstraction away from who they are. And it, ultimately, it doesn't matter if you have the name of the company versus you know some sort of tokenized form of that uh, uh, represented, because all that really matters is are they actually you know paying you to do the service that you're 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 uh, hoping to do for them. So you know, obviously, a lot of companies they don't always address these security and privacy challenges from inception. It's it's often you know after growth phase or maybe it's reactive based on a breach or maybe starting to work with particularly sensitive data like healthcare data. So given that a company could be you know 20 years old, tons of legacy systems, uh, people don't even know how they work anymore, or even you know newer companies that are using hundreds of microservices, containerization, data lakes, all these kind of modern um, technologies. How does a company avoid like something like big bang security implementation where they just can't shut down their service and work on this problem. They have to keep the lights on while also trying to improve their security and privacy posture. Uh, absolutely. And, and this is an issue that's close to my heart because I spent a large part of my career unwinding or untangling legacy uh, uh, technology systems and implementing uh, newer age uh, solutions. Uh, for us, my, our recommended approach is think about it incrementally. Think about how do you increase uh, your privacy posture over time while minimizing the impact to your live systems as well as your engineers. Engineers are some of the key are the key resources that most of our customers have, and we want to ensure that they aren't taken off of the mission critical revenue generating product roadmap. And we need to do this in a way that allows them to continue developing product roadmap uh, successes for their own companies while increasing their privacy posture. And the way we think about it is mostly threefold. How do you first secure the actual storage of that data? And that's where the Skyflow Vault comes into play. We focus with customers and we work with them to move data set by data set into the Skyflow Vault. For example, we've got uh, one customer who has 10 different systems with different sets of credit cards. And we work with them and say, instead of doing Big Bang, how about system by system, you move it over to Skyflow Vault. Where you are today is not great. You're at a huge risk where you are today. But system by system, can we move it in? So A, we're able to standardize it. B, we're able to isolate it. And C, we're able to protect it. After that, when then we look at the SDKs and client-side SDKs in terms of how do we capture this information in the most secure manner and efficient manner. We look to implement our Skyflow elements and iframes into the customer web design or app designs in order to capture that information securely. The UI remains the same. The customer front end remains the same. So our customers can interact with their customers as they normally would, but that data is now protected from the customer front end directly into Skyflow. And the third area we look at is utilizing the Skyflow proxy, which we call Skyflow Connections, to enable to sh securely share that data with third parties by sending reference tokens to Skyflow, which we transit, translate into raw text and send to the third parties. So you can really think about this very incrementally, increasing your privacy posture slowly but surely while minimizing the impact to our customers' own revenue-driving roadmaps in order to ensure success. Yeah, imagine having um, you know ten systems hosting uh, credit card data is uh, not only difficult to manage, but your imagine if you took your own credit card and you made you know ten copies of it, and then you tried to protect each of those locations. That's just you're you're ten xing the problem versus you know having a single copy that you're keeping in your wallet on your person at all time. And it's a scary problem today that if we don't break into small bits. Uh, bite-sized bits in order to resolve, it often goes unaddressed. 
And going unaddressed is not the issue. Just because you have a big privacy risk doesn't mean you need to think about it all at one and keep it up at night. Think about every week, every month, how do you take off a little bit more and increase your privacy posture? Yeah, do you think the fact that this can feel like an overwhelming problem uh, actually prevents sometimes people from prioritizing because it feels like, oh, well, if we were going to dedicate resources to this, it's going to take like a year or two for us to fix this problem versus something that they're kind of breaking off in chunks on a quarter by quarter basis and continually improving. Absolutely. And this is where I think Skyflow differentiates itself is because uh, when I joined, I had an assumption that we were a product company and we are a product company. However, we're privacy experts as well, and our customers look to us to how do you design the best solution? So a lot of the work on our implementations isn't actually the coding, it's how do we design the right implementation? How do we phase it? How do we increment it to minimize the impact and design it correctly? And doing that work up front leads to better implementations and leads to success. Uh, I have focused on growing our team with uh, technical acumen. So we have team members on the customer facing program team who have masters in computer science, who have years of health tech experience, who are former BAs. And we partner with solution architects who have been solution architects at leading companies to design the right solutions for our customers and figure out how we uh, bite size it. Most of our successful implementations have been with those customers who think about it in incremental bits for how do I do it piece by piece versus the customer say, yep, I've got a big cutover date on November 20th and I'm working towards it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, you know, of course, this all sounds uh, great in in theory, but how long does like an implementation actually take? Do does someone need to scope out six months worth of resources to pull this off? Or is this something that can be done in a matter of, you know, uh, days, weeks, maybe months? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I'm very proud that our shortest implementation has actually been three business days end to end. That's from contract signing, standing up their testing environment, all the way to production, usage, and storage in the vault. That's three business days. That's an incredibly fast implementation. To be fair, that was a greenfield implementation. So new product, new use case, not having to peel back legacy code. Uh, Most of our implementations are under a month of actual development work and testing work, uh, but it really depends on the customer bandwidth and their use case. So our average is 28 business days end to end, but we do have some use cases which go significantly shorter, like our three-day use case, as well as some that are more complex uh, and that go a little bit over that time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, like there's going to be a variance in terms of uh, complexity for, for any customer. So I want to take a couple of like concrete examples. Um, so starting with something simple, let's say that I'm using one payment processor today, something like Stripe or Adyen or something like that. And it's great because I get essentially PCI, comp- I'm offloading PCI compliance to this third party, but I also don't want to be locked into the one vendor. I want to have the flexibility essentially to work with any payment vendor or maybe as I expand internationally, add multiple vendors if it makes sense, but not take on the PCI compliance myself. So how can I use Skyflow to essentially solve a problem like that? Absolutely. So we have a lot of companies who are coming to us because they don't want to be tied to one payment processor or they want to be even more sophisticated and say, I want to route my payments to different payment processors based on the rates for the card and the geos that my customers are located in and the payments are being processed in. So we allow our customers to use our Skyflow uh 
client-side SDKs to securely capture information. We store it in the vault, and then they can trigger it based off of the rates and based off of the use case to different payment processors accordingly and actually send that to the third parties via our Skyflow connections seamlessly. We have a really cool use case where a customer is uh, using the Skyflow time to live feature, our TTL feature to capture CVVs uh, in order to reduce uh, the amounts of payments that have uh, been denied by payment processors across the board. Payments that get denied by payment processors lead to customers losing business because that customer then doesn't always go through and try to execute it again or try a different card. And that leads to lost revenue and lost business for our customers. So we have some customers that think about it differently and they say, okay, I'm gonna use the time to live field to capture CVV and PCI only lets you store CVV for authorization. So they need to use it for authorization. They can't just pass it through to the payment processor because if they do that, payment processor denies it. Now they have to ask their customers for CVV again. That's a bad experience. So instead they capture the CVV for a time period. They send it to payment processor one. Payment processor one accepts it, great, we're done. Payment processor one denies it. They can actually retry it to a different payment processor to ensure that payment goes through to ensure their customer gets the revenue from that transaction. That is revenue that could have potentially been lost if not for using Skyflow. And that is a use case that we see coming up more and more, especially across uh, our European and African market. And it's uh, certainly a great use case for Skyflow and the capabilities that we offer. Hey, it's Sean, host of the show you're listening to. First and foremost, I hope you're enjoying the interview. And if you are, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a positive rating and review. And if you want to keep the conversation going, Join our community at skyflow.com slash community. Okay, that's it for me. Now back to the show. Yeah, I imagine when for any payment system, the more you can do to essentially reduce friction in that process and speed it up, then the more sort of revenue your ROI you're returning the business. So that's something that comes down to how fast can you process the payments? Do you need to go back to the your customer to actually ask them for additional information? All those types of things essentially limit your ability to deliver as much ROI as possible to for your business. Correct. Correct. So, what about um, you know a more complicated example? So, in that we're you know maybe we're starting with a single payment processor and then we want to fan out to multiple. But what if I already have ten different processing systems that I'm using today uh, and I just want to disentangle that and migrate to something that's more flexible and simple to manage. Uh, absolutely. So this is where it really comes down to incremental implementations. Uh, so how do you think about you moving either business unit by business unit or system by system over to Skyflow? What we hear a lot from our customers is what keeps them up at night isn't one system. It's they're thinking about all 10 of the systems that they have in place, the different security postures for each, which admins have access to what? Is are all secure? Have we accidentally given somebody access to one that it doesn't need it? And how do we actually think about one source of truth to secure our data in the most secure manner possible? So what we think about with them is how do I move it incrementally? What is uh, usually what we do is we say, what is the one you use the least? Let's do that first, because you'll learn something. And then let's slowly chunk it piece by piece and then move over the systems uh, to increase your risk, your privacy posture. We have found that as you add each additional system to Skyflow, it gets easier and faster. Uh, but we really work with our customers to break it down into smaller, smaller bits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
You know, when you were discussing earlier some of the common use cases, you also mentioned like PII and data residency. So sort of moving beyond just the protection of credit card data, which I think is where a lot of people's mind goes when they think about, you know, sensitive data that they're protecting because of the awareness and familiarity with PCI. But obviously, businesses are collecting all kinds of customer account information. And actually, a lot of the times when you see these breach reports, it's really about names and emails and addresses and sometimes, you know, social security numbers and things like that, but it's not necessarily the credit card data. So if I'm a business that wants to lock down that information, how do I begin to actually lock that down and make sure that this kind of customer data is also protected? Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite use cases that I've seen thus far, which is lead generation. Uh, when you are online, you're asked for survey information or fill this out for a chance to win or give us more information about yourself. Uh, we all too readily, or at least used to all too readily fill that information out and trust that the, the place we were filling it in would secure it and protect it. And what we found is a lot of the times they don't. So we're seeing a lot more lead generation companies come to us and say, I want to protect my customer data. I care about the customers. I don't want to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal about a data breach. And I want to future proof myself. And I want to integrate with Skyflow in order to do that. So this is a really straightforward use case where customers can implement our client-side SDKs again to securely capture the information, store it, and then share it uh, with third parties through uh, our proxy connections. So it, it really, in my opinion, uh, the way I was taught data privacy is the first rule is you do not want to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, that is the worst case scenario. Wake up in the morning and you read your company name, the front page of Wall Street Journal about a data breach, privacy breach, uh, customer information leak. So thinking about that, how do I secure the information? How do I actually know all the customer information I have? Uh, a lot of our implementations, the customers, first thing they do is they have to go figure out what is their actual data catalog? What is actually all the privacy data that they capture? Where is it across how many systems? And then thinking about putting it in a place like Skyflow, accessing it only when needed via API allows them to secure it and ensure that they don't have a breach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and imagine like, I think from a, a customer's perspective when it comes to like losing trust with a business, it doesn't really matter that you expose, even though like potentially exposing my credit card or social security number is feels worse maybe, but like if you expose my name and my address, I'm not going to be happy about that either. Even though I think historically we've maybe treated those as like feeling like they're less sensitive. But I think when it comes to customer trust, you're still destroying trust by leaking any of that information. Yeah. To, to be honest with you, uh, credit card industry has made it a lot easier to get a new credit card. It's a lot harder to get a new home. It's a lot yeah. harder to get a new address. And it is certainly a whole lot, whole heck of a lot harder to get a new social security number. We have to start treating our PII data a lot more consciously than we have been historically. And frankly, a lot more securely than we do our PCI data. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Like when I probably have to replace my credit card on a yearly basis at this point, but there's all kinds of fraud, you know, automatic fraud detection that happens. Like credit card companies are really sophisticated with that stuff. They send you a text alert saying, you know, was this you? You say no, they cancel the card, they send you a new card overnight. It's amazing. That's a lot harder to do. Like the idea of even going to the DMV to get a new credit, a uh, new um, a driver's license uh, is, is a terrifying prospect because uh, if you've been to California DMVs, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's not a pleasant experience at all. It is not a, not a fun experience. And then that data sticks with you. Your address remains the same. You're not going to move. 
your social security and getting a new social security number, getting new information, social security card is hard enough. So this information is paramount and it's yours for life. Your name, your social, your your address, the, these are information that sticks with you and the requirement to secure it and the impact to your customers if you lose their data is is huge, really huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really, really good point and something that companies need to pay attention to. Are there specific sort of customer areas or trends with regards to the management of sensitive customer data that you're seeing so far with customers that you work with that uh, would be interesting to talk about? Absolutely. So first, what you'll see is a lot of governments are moving to uh, enact more strict privacy laws. And this is leading to a lot of developments in Europe, Southeast Asia, uh, and other geos. Europe, of course, has GDPR. GDPR leads a lot of our customers coming to us saying, I need to store my information securely and I need to store it in Europe. Can I do that? The answer with Skyflow is yes. We're seeing a lot of companies uh, in the African uh, market, especially a lot of African fintech companies coming to us and uh, saying, I want to start developing from a privacy first posture. And how do I embed privacy and data security into my development from day one and then have that lead to success over time? Uh, And finally, uh, in Southeast Asia, we're seeing a huge increase of customers coming to us wanting to secure their data and localize their data for the local populations as laws and regulations make their way through uh, separate parliaments and uh, government bodies. Oh, wow. And do you think that um, businesses are thinking about prioritizing privacy or are they primarily thinking about prioritizing compliance? I think it depends. I think uh, a lot of companies uh, who exist today are looking to prioritize compliance. Why? Because they see the lift of migrating to a privacy first posture uh, as something Herculean. Uh, when again, I would um, urge them to think about it as incremental, not big bang. Uh, and then we're seeing a lot of greenfield or startups or companies that are starting new product lines thinking about privacy first as a privacy first posture. Uh, so I think it depends if they're existing companies or new customers, uh, new companies, as well as new customers or new engagements for those companies. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think. We're see, we've seen similar trends just in terms of even security outside of privacy as well with the you know shift left movement that's happened in that space in the last you know five years or so. Probably newer companies are a lot more security conscious than they were perhaps 10 or 15 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of the most popular Skyflow features that the customers you work with are actually using? So the first one is uh, Skyflow Connections. It's our proxy uh, to connect to third-party APIs. And it really simplifies the ability to share the secure data in a safe manner. Uh, Historically, data privacy and data security, you've thought about building huge walls around your data centers. Okay, I need to protect my customer data. I'm going to build the best firewall. I'm going to build the biggest walls and no one's going to touch it. Well, wait, I actually have to use it. I have to share it with someone. I have to give it to Stripe to process the card. I have to give it to the doctor's office to understand who their patient's going to be. I have to give it to the company that's going to then uh, do lead generation. How do you share it? So by using Skyflow Connections, we're taking away what companies used to do, which is, okay, I've got my big firewalls. Now let me download it in plain text and then I'll share it. So you can share it through our proxy agent so that you never actually touch your sensitive data. Yeah, so you're essentially constantly insulating your existing infrastructure from touching any of that data. Correct. That brings me to my next favorite feature, which is our client-side SDKs. 
because sure, you can store it securely and you can share it securely, but if you capture it in plain text, even in memory, even you see memory leakage uh, being front page of the Wall Street Journal. You see companies that didn't store it, but they had a memory leak and all of a sudden all this customer PII got out there, they're still responsible. By using the client-side SDKs, you can capture the information securely so you really obfuscate your entire system from PII or PCI data. And finally, kind of the third one I think about is our time to live feature. Time to live feature oftentimes is thought of for um, CVV, but we're having customers think about it in multiple more sophisticated manners for how do I store data that I only want for a certain period of time outside of CVV in order to do things such as governing access for a certain time periods? How do I do things such as uh, storing customer information only for a certain period of time? If I really need to delete it versus writing a job to delete it afterwards, I can use the TTL feature that Skyflow offers to do that. Yeah, I feel like there's probably a lot of very sensitive data that technically you only need for a very short period of time, like even something like uh, a social security number for the purposes of taxes. Like, you know, TurboTax needs that for maybe, you know, 15 minutes of my existence of once a year where I need to, you know, submit that to the, uh, to the government, but otherwise they're, you know, them actually storing that forever is taking on a lot of liability and responsibility for all of their customers. Uh, absolutely. And, and why do so many of the companies that we work with need this information consistently is mind boggling to me. Uh, you know, we think about all the reward programs that we sign up for. Uh, why do they always need my address and phone number and email? Do they only need it when they are sending me information or do they need that constantly? Uh, we're seeing more and more breaches happen because of the systemic and long-term storage of PII data rather than uh, the using it only when needed. Right, yeah. I mean, storage has become so cheap and so scalable now that I think companies tend to err on the side of, you know, maybe we don't need this, but we're going to store it anyway because maybe we'll need it down the road because it's not going to cost them anything, uh, at least theoretically, to hold on to it. But of course, the cost is uh, increased compliance scope, increased risk from a, a data breach, data leakage st standpoint. And that's where Skyflow's value really comes in, in my opinion, because you have the ability to store that data, secure it but then use it easily. A lot of the reasons why we're seeing companies store this for so long is they don't want to have to go through the process of capturing it again or figuring out what your data is again. They can just store it. It's easy, it's cheap, but it's risky and it increases privacy risk. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are some of you know the best practices, I guess, when it comes to privacy implementations? So the first and foremost is kind of minimal access, right? How do you define your governance policies to ensure that only the minimal functionality required by the minimal people is implemented. Uh, so if you are capturing information from the front end, does that front end need to be able to read from the database? Do they need to be able to view the database or only insert? Do they need to be able to insert everywhere or just certain places? When reading, do you need to read plain text? Do you need to read it in masked? Or do you only need to read certain information? The ability to have a sophisticated governance engine to ensure that you are uh, only seeing the minimal data when needed is uh, is um, essential when thinking about security posture. And then finally, I, I know it's uh, over-touched on, but uh, moving left, right? How do you move your security posture left? How do you move your implementation left? How do you uh, focus on putting security more forward in the implementation, in the system, and in, in the timelines, and, and figuring out how it actually uh, falls into your architecture? 
Yeah. I think, you know, historically, even companies that have thought about or privacy and security conscious, I think they tend to initially prioritize essentially secure storage. So they're like, they're hashing data, they're encrypting data, and then they kind of assume, okay, well, we got that problem fixed. But they're not necessarily thinking through how to actually you know, utilize that data in different ways and essentially control access other than putting that big wall around the data like you talked about earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, before we start to, to wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about the future of privacy. What are your thoughts on the future of privacy for businesses and consumers? Yeah, I, I think the future of privacy is going to evolve really with companies who who prioritize it and then also with governments who drag everyone else along for the ride. Uh, I think we're seeing complexities in terms of data privacy, not only from a where is your customer data, but where are people accessing your customer data from? I think we're going to see some more partnerships between countries, but then some also more intricacies. If I'm a European uh, customer, my data needs to be stored in Europe, but then let's say I move to the U.S., do I have to move that data to the U.S.? Do I have to consent to that? Can I access my data that is in a European data center when I'm in the U.S.? Am I now a U? What if I have dual citizenship? There's a lot of aspects of data privacy that we haven't figured out from a legality perspective, which will really uh, both lead and follow technology uh, as time goes along. Um, I see that being a big play in the future of privacy. And then the question I have is kind of playing off what you asked earlier is, uh, do these companies need our PII always and have always have access to it, especially in the raw text, or only when needed? Uh, the best example is the IRS needs my social once a year and mean TurboTax needs my social once a year. Do they really need to have access to it the rest of the year? Do I give it to them only at the time where they need it? Or how do they store it and securely have it in a manner that uh, allows them to use it uh, only when needed? <laughs> yeah. And then... I guess you know you touched on the challenges from like a legality standpoint in terms of you know things aren't perfectly defined. We need to you know, kind of get better at describing the the rules and the regulations for handling sensitive user data. But what about in terms of you know technology? What future technology or developments are you excited about in this space? Yeah, I'm really excited to see how. Uh, we can address honestly the in-memory data being a concern. How do we think about uh, not having in-memory data leaks? How do we think about uh, securing it from that perspective? Uh, I, what developments I'm excited about is how do we think about API-first ecosystems uh, that allow you to only access the data when needed? Uh, and then finally, uh, I'm, I'm excited as the world expands and governments look to institute their own data residency, how do we address this at scale? Uh, and how do you run a company that is a global company with data residency laws in more than just a handful, but rather the majority? Mm -hmm. And then where should someone who's looking to learn more about you know, privacy, security, and so on, uh, that's kind of you know, dipping their toe in the space, or maybe it's a company that's concerned about their own security and privacy posture, where should they start to you know, what resources would you recommend that they, they look into to, to begin this journey? 
Yeah, well, uh, Skyflow's got a great blog uh, that can point them to multiple avenues for starting looking at their security and privacy posture, uh, as well as there's a lot, the mediums for looking at privacy and security have changed. Uh, I think uh, educational institutions still remain paramount in terms of leading the forefront of it. However, the medium has changed a lot from going to library, and now I'd say your modern mediums, Twitter and others, where you follow a, a leader who is uh, foremost in this in the space allows for uh, a lot more uh, information to be spread a lot in great speed. Anything else that you'd like to share? Uh, I think that companies really should start thinking about this from a privacy posture versus a compliance perspective. Uh, compliance perspective is more of checking the nooks and crannies to make sure you don't have anything uh, uh vulnerable, but privacy posture up front is how do I think about this and future-proof it? Technology is moving fast. The ability to build is moving even faster. And having a future-proof solution uh, is paramount to allow your company to grow, your customers to remain secure and private, as well as you avoid the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, that that's, that's what keeps me up. Yeah. And, I, you know, compliance moves much slower than the ability of attackers uh, and, you know, technologies and, and approaches that they use. So if you're building essentially just for compliance, then you're always going to be, a, you know, years behind essentially where the uh, types of attack, modern attacks are, are, are taking place. And it's also governments are catching up quickly mm -hmm. and laws are coming into place quicker than uh, ever before. And countries where we didn't think that laws would be passed for data residency and data privacy are passing them faster and it's going through parliaments and, and government a lot quicker. So getting ahead of this, especially as you're rolling out a new product line or thinking about this from a strategic roadmap perspective is huge. And the last thing I'd say is as customers, we're going to start to expect it. So at a certain point, there's going to be a tipping point where the government's not regulating it, but rather customers are saying, I'm not going to use your product. I'm not going to give you my data until you prove that you're securing it and that my information is safe with you. And that tipping point is coming quicker than companies realize, would like to admit. And if you're not ahead of it, you're going to be behind it and it's going to impact your ROI. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And we're already starting to see shifts in that space, especially with uh, the types of things that Apple has been investing in uh, from a you know, privacy standpoint and you know, leading with from a marketing perspective. So Ari, it's always a, you know, it's always a pleasure. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I think you bring uh, you know, such energy and enthusiasm to the work that you do. Very infectious, also makes for great podcasting, so I appreciate that. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your experience. Thanks so much. John, I appreciate the opportunity. I love the podcast. I'm excited to see it grow and continue to succeed. Thank you. Cheers.